All right, Joshua chapter 3. And uh, we've been looking for a place to cross for a few weeks. And we've found it. And now it's time to say farewell to the wilderness. Somebody say amen. amen. And uh, so we're going to look at that tonight. Joshua chapter number 3. And we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Before we read, I want to welcome our online audience with my church. Give them a warm welcome tonight. Thank you all for watching. I know we have probably close to 150 views from this morning service thus far today. And uh, so we thank God for those that tune in, whether they get fractions or the whole. We're thankful for any of it. Amen. All right, uh, Joshua chapter 3, remain seated because I'm going to read the entire chapter and then we'll break this down for you. Joshua rose early in the morning and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither, hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Jebusites and the Termites. No, I'm kidding. Amen. In Mississippi, we could have used that deliverance. Verse 11, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Now, therefore, take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe a man, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon an heap. And it came to pass, when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, 
And as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zeratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. That's my focus tonight. The last verse, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. And as I've already stated, the lesson, uh, part three of our onward Christian soldier installment, we're calling Farewell Wilderness. Amen. Uh, it's been a long time coming up to this point for God's people. Uh, they've been spending 40 years eating wilderness dust and murmuring and complaining and and being tested and many people being killed because of their sins and them having to pray that the Lord would stay plagues. They've gone through all kinds of things, all kinds of turbulence uh, through the testing season of their life and all that doubt and bunch, they've done buried all of them, and now the ones that survived and remain are fixing to go over. And it's time to say goodbye to some things in their past. Amen. And so the first part of this farewell wilderness portion that I want to look at is the final lodging place. The Bible says that this will be their last three days living basically in their past. He said, uh, spend three days before you cross over. And so this will be their last three days living in their past. And I want you to think about that for just a moment. I could think of a lot of things in the scripture that the number three is symbolic of and significant about. The most important significance, I believe, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. For as uh, as Noah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, even so Jesus was three days and three nights in the belly of the earth until on resurrection morn he came up out of the grave. Somebody say amen. And so I believe that the crossing of the River Jordan is a type and a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection for the believer. Let me explain. First, let's look at the death. Notice verse number 1. It said they lodged there before they passed over. Uh, this was a time of bringing closure to all that had happened to them. It was a time of detachment. You know how it is, especially you country folk, when it's time to say your goodbyes, uh, you lodge there a while. Amen. You can't just say bye and drive off. Can somebody say amen? I mean, some of us takes you two or three days to get rid of your guests. Am I right? Amen. 
I mean, that's just the way we are. It takes us a while to say our goodbyes. I love my mother, and she's going to end up listening to this, and she'll probably call me out on it, and that's okay. But when I go to my mama's house and it's time to say goodbye, I can't hardly get her to say goodbye. I'm literally driving up the driveway, leaving her house with my window rolled down, and she's still trying to finish the last thing that she was saying. And I'm not being rude to my mother in no stretch of the imagination, but that seems to be the way country folk are. Amen. Now, if you're up north, you, you're just rude. You can just say goodbye and cut the trail and they, nobody's feelings are hurt. But down here, if you don't do it appropriately, somebody's going to think you're mad at them. Can I get an amen, church? All right, so sometimes it's difficult to bring closure, amen? And I'm having a little bit of fun with that tonight. But I, I want to think about some of the things in church life that we need to bring closure to before we can move on. Amen. There's some things that it's hard and difficult for church folk to just let go of. Amen. One of the things, for example, that I could immediately think of that's easy to pick on is man-made traditions. I don't have a problem with good biblical church tradition. Amen. If it's biblical, then it needs to be traditional, right? And so we had some excellent biblical traditions in our church. I don't care about, let me rephrase that, I don't pick on biblical traditions. What I pick on is man-made traditions. Amen. When we create rules and make up things that that's not even in the Bible, and we hold people to some standard that some deacon board or some committee created just as levers of power to stay in control of the church rather than following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And sometimes it's difficult for churches that are steeped in man-made religion to let go of what men have created and embrace what it is that God originally intended for the church to embrace. Somebody say amen tonight. And so I believe that in order for us to have a death, burial, and resurrection as believers, there are some things that are going to have to die in our Christian experience, be they man-made traditions or be they... uh be they past hurts and pain. Have you ever been hurt by somebody? And and every time you bump into them at Walmart, you walk the other way. Amen. Every time you run across them at church, you try to try to create some distance and you don't want to make eye contact because just to look at them still enrages you or maybe it doesn't enrage you. Maybe it hurts deeply because you remember you remember what they said to you or you remember what they did to you or you remember what they didn't do that they should have done. Somebody say amen tonight. And a lot of times Church hurt hinders the growth and the progress of God's church and God's kingdom. Whenever we are at odds with one another, uh, the Bible teaches us that... Uh, that if we don't forgive one another, then Christ won't forgive us. Amen. And so your prayers go hinder, uh, your prayers are hindered when you ha harbor uh, bitterness and unforgiveness. And, and literally there are people that will sit on a church pew in their pride and in their stubbornness for 30 plus years and refuse to just make things right with their fellow brother or sister in Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't care about carrying that kind of weight 
that kind of distance. Amen. And, and, and you think, uh, that you're, you're maintaining some kind of control or you're showing them. Amen. But really it's like a cancer eating away at you, at your inner core, and it's robbing you of your peace. It's robbing you of your ability to be effective for the kingdom of God. And it's hindering, uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit to be at liberty to work in your life. For how can you expect the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you into all truth when you can't even accept the singular truth that you need to repent and seek forgiveness and move on? And so I'm talking about things that are in the past. That we need to get it under the blood. If you have to confess it to somebody, if you have to make an apology to somebody, then swallow your pride and make the apology and move on because hindering the work of God in your personal life as well as the church is not worth it. Amen. Because your kids are going to need God one day. And your grandkids are going to need God one day. And they're going to need an atmosphere in your home where God's voice is readily acceptable. But as long as you're kicking against the pricks of the Holy Spirit and insisting on the fact that you're right and they're wrong and there'll be a cold day in hell before I ever apologize, excuse the expression, but that's the attitude of a lot of Christians who are hurt. And listen, I'm not, listen, a lot of times the reason people don't forgive is because they feel like that if they, uh, if they forgive that they are making a statement that what was done to them was okay. Hear me and hear me well. Your forgiveness does not approve their actions. I say it again. Your forgiveness does not approve their actions. Jesus did not forgive me because he approved my actions. If he had approved my actions, he would have never needed to go to the cross to pay for my sin. He did not approve my actions, but he still offered forgiveness. Forgiveness is so that the sin debt can be wiped away and released and let go of. Amen. And so forgiveness is more about you than it is them. It really is. You need to think about that. And I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but in a crowd this size, there's bound to be somebody dealing with a past hurt or a past pain. Amen. And something, uh, some relationship has died in your life. And you know what you do with dead things? You bury them. Amen. You bury them. That's what you do with dead things. All right. And so I believe that we need to let some things die and we need to bury some things. Now, uh, once it's dead, bury it. Don't keep bringing stuff back up that just keeps injuring old wounds. Forgive and move on. Somebody say amen right there. Because as long as you keep bringing it back up, you never really forgave them. Now, somebody said you need to forgive and forget. Show me Bible for that. There's only one being that can forget, can choose to forget your sin, and that's God Almighty. You will never forget some of the things that people did to you because your brain was created to remember things to help you avoid situations down the road for your survival's sake. It gives you discernment. 
You can come across other personalities like the ones that hurt you in your past and you can avoid engaging and it protects you from future occurrences from different people that have the same mindset. Amen. So your memory can serve you if you will let it. But as long as you're letting it fester as a painful memory in the spirit of unforgiveness, it's not going to serve anything uh, but, but resentment and it's going to cause you to be at odds with God and at odds with your fellow man. So what you got to do is you got to forgive and you got to move on. You can't forget it, but God can heal you of the pain and help you move on anyway. Amen. I I even was told one time uh, by an individual, and I thought it was uh, good wisdom at the time. I've come to uh, a different conclusion uh, now that I've had more experience in life. I, I was told one time that uh, you'll know that you've forgiven somebody when you can think about what they did to you and it doesn't hurt anymore. Another example of something that's just not biblical. Amen. Who Whoever said that forgiveness is pain-free? How much pain did it cost Jesus to forgive us? In fact, it may hurt you more to forgive at first. To, 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 to get to that place of surrender where you say, you know what, it's not worth it. It's not, well, I need peace with God. I can't carry this weight anymore. And it may hurt you before it helps you. And you may think about it ten years down the road, and the occurrence itself can still be painful to you in your heart. But it doesn't mean that you've not forgiven them. Because forgiveness, let me help you with this, forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a decision. It's not an emotion. It's a decision. And decisions have consequences. And sometimes those decisions don't always eliminate the reality of emotional drama that comes afterward. Amen. I think I'm helping somebody tonight. Some of you have been afraid that you haven't forgiven somebody because you keep hurting over it. And, and you have went to God over and over, Lord, I'm trying to forgive him, but I don't know how. And you're thinking that because you're still hurting that you haven't forgiven him. But you've already said to God in your heart you're willing to forgive him. Listen, uh, what you need to do is ask God to help you heal your pain. Amen. If you've already forgiven him, hey, count that off as done. Amen. And thank God and move on. And eventually God will help you with the pain as well. Amen. He's the healer of broken hearts. But we got to be willing to get past our past. We got to get be willing to get things right with the Lord and with one another. Amen. Here's something interesting Jesus said in the book of Luke chapter 9 and verse 59 dealing with death. He said uh he said unto another, "Follow me," but he said, "Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father." Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. What he was telling him was there's more there's bigger fish to fry. There's more important things. Amen. And while some of you are still crying over what happened years ago, Jesus is still weeping over the ones that have yet to breathe their last breath. Amen. That need the gospel before they do. And while we're looking back, Jesus is still looking forward. And we need to be looking in the direction that Jesus is looking. Right. Forgetting those things which are behind. Right. Reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. 
And I want to say it this way. If you want to, you'll make a way to forgive. If you want to. If you don't want to, then you'll make excuses. Well, if you knew what they did to me, I don't think it's humanly possible. And, and, and look, let me, just t- let me just pause for a moment. I am not in any way, shape, form, or fashion belittling what happened to you. I acknowledge your pain. And, I, and you're probably right. I probably have no idea how much it hurts. And honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wish I could heal it for you. I wish I could wrap it up in the balm of Jesus and you could be past it. I can't do that, but I can tell you one who can. Amen. I can tell you one who knows the pain. Jesus does. I'm glad I don't have to relate to you. But I'm pointing you to one. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we were, yet without sin. And he bore the sin and the shame, the iniquity and the sickness and the pain of every man, woman, boy and girl in, in, in history past, history present or history future. And, and the Bible says we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities was in all points tempted. In other words, he knows your pain. And he knows how bad it hurts. And, and he is in no shape saying that what the injurer did was justified. But let me tell you what God will do. If you let God be the judge, God will take care of the individual that inflicted the pain. Amen. You, you put it in the hands of God and you let God fight that battle. And you release it. And God will begin to lift a burden off of you. And you'll feel as free as a jaybird. Amen. You'll feel freedom for the first time, perhaps in a long time. And I want to say this change is never easy, but it's often necessary to move on. And I'm looking at this crowd as they was lodging. Could you imagine having been on that the wrong side of the Jordan for that long? And now they're they're in the last three days stretch. What kind of conversations did they have? What kind of memorial services might they have had? Many of them have already buried their parents, their grandparents, kids. And they're going to have to leave all that behind, their memories and all. Tombstones, graveyards, full of people that they loved dearly. Amen. They had a lot of experiences with. But it was time to move past the past. And I would like to say tonight that that there are some things that need to die in our lives, such as self-righteousness, bitterness, resentment, pride, prejudice, racism, unforgiveness, jealousy, envy, gossip, hatred, strife, division, discord. Do I need to go on? Whew, that's a lot. When you agree that we got to put those in the graveyard, just let it go. So we have the death. Uh, let's hurry, hurry along. Let's look at the burial now. Verse 2 said, it came to pass after three days. Let me say this. What happens during the burial process? 
First, I see that during the burial process, dust returns to dust. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 19 says, For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Now, this is a returning to its place of origin. Now, follow me. If you ever bury the past, it will be because you went back to its place of origin. Let me explain. This speaks of dealing with your issues face to face. You can't bury what you're not willing to find and face head on. That's why the Bible says to confess your sins. you got to face your issue. Amen. You, you can't just ignore it and act like it don't exist. If you were the one who wronged someone, especially you, especially if you're a born again believer, need to go to that person and make things right as best you can, according to the scripture. So you've got to let dust return to dust. Amen. You've got to bring it back to its place of origin. Somebody said, well, how can I get back to where I used to be with God? I'll tell you what you do. You find wherever you got off and make it right. Whatever it was that caused you to stray in your life, whatever sin that so easily beset you and caused you to walk away from God, that's the sin he wants you to repent of. That's where you get back on at. Amen. What what uh, what what have you done to offend a brother or sister that has since made the heavens as brass over you? And it feels like you've lost your joy. You've lost your peace. You can't enjoy church anymore. If you would just go make things right with your brother, if you will get your horizontal relationships right with men, your vertical relationship with God will clear up. Amen. Talking about burying some things. All right, not only does dust return to dust when you bury something, but deliverance is also available. We think that death is final, but listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 54 says. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. I'm glad to tell you that death or rather, burial is not the final statement. And it's not the final verdict. Amen. Some people feel like they lost when they forgave somebody that did them wrong. They, they act like it's a battle. Let's see who's going to win this. Listen, I tell you who wins. The one who wins is the one who puts it in the ground till resurrection morning and lets God recompense. And let's God repay. Amen. And some part of you may have died when you buried that part of your past. But I'm telling you right now, if you'll bury it in the hands of God Almighty, He will raise you up in newness of power, the likes of which you have never experienced before. I'm talking about the importance of allowing deliverance to come because you are willing to let go. So that leads me... Uh, lastly tonight to the resurrection Joshua 3 2 said it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host this was after three days after resurrection day if you will these officers signify a resurrection of power can I get an amen tonight God wants you to experience the fresh power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Amen. And I know I'm speaking 
largely metaphorically here, but I hope that you're grabbing this. And if I, if I go too quick for you, or if you need clarification on this, write some notes down and call me later this week, and we'll have a deeper discussion, okay? Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 says, "...that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection..." And the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Simply put, you cannot get to resurrection morn until you go through the tomb. And you can't experience the fullness of God's power in your life until you die to self. And so whatever that is that's holding you back from making progress in God's kingdom, you need to let go of it. You need to say goodbye to the wilderness. There's nothing back there that can help you today or tomorrow. Amen. And so Romans 6, 4 says, Therefore, we are buried with him in baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I'm talking about burying some things. Looking at this final lodging, if you were, uh, if you knew that God was wanting to do a new, a new thing for you in the next three days, if you knew the next three days, would position you for a whole new season of blessing and prosperity provided by heaven alone. If you knew that, what loose ends would you need to tie up? What what things would you need to bring closure to so that there wouldn't be a hindrance? There's some things that you don't need to bring into your next season of life. Some things you just need to let go of. You need to bury it, you need to walk away from it, and say goodbye to the wilderness. And say, you know what, I've spent enough time here. I've had my funerals. I've cried my tears. This has hurt long enough, and it still may hurt in the memory, but I'm going on anyway. I'm no longer going to let the wilderness dictate my future. Amen. And when churches get to the point to where they're willing to move past things that have held them back for years, we can see a revival break out across this country like we've never seen before. But there's too many Christians mad at one another, running each other down, tearing each other down. Amen. And, and we've lost the art of restoration in our churches where we can actually give somebody a pass because Jesus gave us a pass. If What if Jesus forgave us on the same level that we forgave others? What if Jesus took as long to forgive us as we took to forgive others? Do you want to know how fast Jesus forgives? The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. That means He forgives immediately. Did you know that when God forgives you immediately, He doesn't put you in probation to wait and see if you really mean it? Amen. You might put yourself in probation. You might think, okay, I, I've confessed it. And I told the Lord I'm sorry and I really meant it. But how come I don't feel any different? And religion might have taught you 
that you might have to sit on a pew for a year before you can ever be used in the church again. But as far as in the eyes of God, your sin's gone, honey. And you need to acclimate your faith to what the book says and not what your emotions or man-made traditions have taught you. Am I helping anybody? Amen? And so my point is this. What if, if, if we were to forgive as quickly as Jesus, how quickly would we forgive? In fact, I dare say, has Jesus really ever not forgiven somebody that's asked? He never has, has he? If we're to be like Jesus, I know this is hard. Who can be like Jesus? I can't without the Holy Spirit's help. That's for sure. And we may have to grow into that level of maturity, but we need to work at it. We need to ask the Lord to help us to live in a a, a constant state of offering forgiveness so that we don't hold something over somebody's head that might discourage them and keep them held back. You know what might release the next generation quicker than anything? Is when we learn how to encourage them when they mess up. Now, I know they sometimes need a rebuke, but that needs to be in the right place at the right time with the right attitude by the right people. Amen? I know they need discipline, but attitude is a small thing that makes a big difference. Right? It's not always what you say, it's how you say it. What if we learn how to exhort them in our correction rather than just always rebuking them? In our correction. Uh, Amy did something very wonderful with our children, and I tried to practice it too, when they were, especially when they were smaller. I don't have to whip them very much anymore. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I've had to whip them. Thank God. But don't you forget, I'm still able to do it if I have to. <laughs> Amen. But when they were real little, when we would have to spank them to teach them a lesson, we would immediately pull them up on our lap and let them cry out their tears on our shoulder. And we would talk to them about how much we love them and why it was important for them to understand the need to learn the lesson that we wanted them to never forget. So many times we'll chasten someone, but we will never follow up with kindness and bandages and oil and love and and many of you may have experienced a harsh upbringing. Maybe your parents treated you very harshly, never had much of anything good to say about you or for you. And I'm sorry about that. But Jesus does set a fine example for us, don't he? And just because we may have been mistreated doesn't mean that we have to mistreat. Amen. And so we can learn from our mistakes. We can learn from others' mistakes. And we can learn how to love people into correction. Amen. And if I believe with all of my heart, if we can learn some things about letting go, we can learn some things about moving forward.